Welcome to The Liberating Secret with your host, author and teacher, Sylvia Pierce. The Liberating Secret is dedicated to revealing the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the only hope of glory. Let's join Sylvia Pierce for today's lesson. Welcome to The Liberating Secret. My name is Sylvia Pierce. So glad to be with you again today. I'm doing a series, and this series is, is a chart presentation, actually, and it's called, What is Man? Very pertinent and important question to answer. It's, it's interesting. It's not who is man, but what is man, and that actually is two uh, Bible uh, verses. I think there's about three of those Bible verses that poses that question in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. What is man? That's what we intend to answer. And when we answer that, then you will understand your humanity. And that's what I believe that most Christians don't understand. They uh, falsely think that their humanity is all evil and therefore they've got to self-improve themselves and be better and try harder and all that is what we're going to try to put in the grave because we we know that is not the way of righteousness the way of righteousness is always by faith in the life of another living inside of us so uh but before i start and i'm going to start on chart 24 before i start let me tell you that just recently um, we have put my books as well as brian coatney's books on Kindle in Amazon.com. So they're ebooks. Uh, uh, they're in Amazon.com, and the way that you would find them, you would look under my name, Sylvia Pierce, or his name, Brian Coatney, and you will find those books there. So we're so thankful that, that the Lord has given us the way to do that, and we're thankful that um, we have a technician that knows how to put that on Kindle. I think that's really pretty hard to do the way I understand it. Anyway, there's a lot of people that don't understand how to do it. Well, we're thankful that the Lord has shown us how to. Uh, and also, let me tell you, this little booklet, um, which is basically the sum total of the chart presentations and the visual aid of them anyway, and also a lot of commentary, some commentary. You can find that on, they come in, it comes in this little tiny um, chart uh, booklet, and you can actually put that in your Bible, and, it, and it's a quick reference to some of the scriptures that we're continually bringing out. Um, and also, I would hope that teachers might be able to use that to explain some of the truths that actually Paul is bringing out. I don't think we're bringing out anything different than what the Apostle Paul taught through his, um, I think he's written like a third of the New Testament, so I think he's a pretty important apostle. So, And I feel like a lot of Paul's teaching is not majored on in the body of Christ. So that's the, that is the truth and what God has given us to major on. Because he's the one that explains the new covenant. He's the one that explains what it means to be a Christian. He's the one that explains what happened at the cross and what are the benefits of the cross. He's the one that tells us all that. So the inheritance that came about because of the cross of Christ is uh, fully brought out in his letters and should be taught 
I, I believe that. That's why we have that the Lord has given us that. He has called us to teach that to the body of Christ, and that's what we intend to do. So today we're going to start in on chart 24. So you can see we have some preceding programs that we've done beforehand. And some of these charts I will kind of skip over, and I'll tell you the ones I will skip over the any of you that might have these little booklets with you, you can, you'll be able to see that maybe I've skipped over one or two because some of some of this is kind of redundant and um, I don't mind repeating myself. The Bible repeats itself in a thousand ways, but I don't want to be overly redundant. So I will probably uh, skip some of these points, but bring out the major points. So chart 24 says this, and I love this chart because... This I got this chart one time when I was getting ready to teach, and I thought, what new way, how can I tell the body of Christ that we are so chained to the law in the body of Christ and we don't need to be? I mean, we don't need to be in bondage to law-keeping, outer law-keeping in the body of Christ. And how does that work, and why does that happen? And so um, I came up with this little chart, which says, how were we saved? And we have to all answer that question. How were you saved? Were you saved by understanding? Were you saved by good works? Were you saved? And I, we will have to say no to all those. And we will have to say the only way I was saved is by faith in the works that Christ did at the cross. And so, but then I asked the question. So I will have, so I will have to say, how are we saved? Christ plus what? And we will have to say nothing. It was Christ. The work was done with Christ. All we do is put our faith in the finished work of Christ. But this is what, this is the question I pose then. But, or however, how do we live the Christian life? How do we live it? And that's a question to ask, ask yourself. And um, if we are saved by faith alone in Christ and put our faith in the finished work of Christ, but we don't know how to live we don't know how to live by faith. We're living by works. We're not living by putting our faith in the finished work of Christ. You see, that's all we have in Christianity is always putting our faith in the finished work of Christ at the cross. So we end up with this kind of scenario. It's Christ plus a great big I. And that great big me is responsible for living the Christian life and outwardly producing and manifesting good works, you see. So we, we're saved by Christ plus nothing, but here we are, we live the Christian life, Christ plus me. All of a sudden now, the gospel has changed. Well, has the gospel changed or have we changed it in Christianity because we really still believe and depend on the human self to live the Christian life apart from Christ? Or, and is that because we do not understand our union with Christ? I think that is absolutely right. And so that great big I, that great big self, that independent self, independent from who we are, because we've added a plus to Christ, is then responsible for keeping all being good and doing the right thing. So we're actually trusting in our flesh sufficiencies. And so that chains you to the law, that binds you up. And the reason that most Christians are bound up today is because they're still bound up in the hope that their human self can produce 
good works through, and, and we, we change the way that looks. I mean, we realize we're not saved because uh, uh, through good works. We're not changed. We're not saved that way. But we think our Christian life through good works. Well, the gospel doesn't say that. The gospel says that Jesus did it all. And the life of Christ is what uh, delivers us from, the, from any uh, satanic dominion that Satan might still try to have on us. And what hold is it that Satan does have on us? Well, I'll tell you what it is right here and now. It's that great big eye. It's that separate eye that's still trying to, the performing me that I like to say, call it. The performing self and uh, uh, it, uh, um, it's works-based acceptance or performance-based acceptance, meaning that God will not accept me and I won't be right with him if, if unless I'm depending on what I'm doing. Now, what I'm getting ready to say, these are not bad in and of themselves, but the whole problem is what are we depending on? What are we depending on? Am I depending on my ability to get up at a certain hour and read my Bible every day? Now, that's not a wrong thing to do. But am I depending on that to keep me saved? Am I depending on my church attendance? Am I depending on, what am I depending on for my life salvation? For the, for the period of time that I, I know I'm depending on Christ to save me initially. And I know that I'm depending on Christ to get me to heaven. But what am I depending on in between time? And most of the time, I will have to say, we're depending on a great big I that thinks it can get the, the Christian, that can live the Christian life. And that you're going to be defeated if that's what you're depending on. If you're depending on anything other than Christ, you will be defeated. And it's the very self that God has to break in us. And it's a hard break. It's not an easy fall. It's not, a, you know, when you hear of some of the ministers that fall into sin and some, of, um, some people that you've revered all your life, all of a sudden they fall into sin. Well, basically, the, um, the power of sinning really comes from the fact that we think we're a great big self able to keep the law. The Bible says that. The Bible says... Um, the Bible says the power of sin is the law. The power, a hidden power within the law, our life is that we think, falsely think, independent from who we really are, that we can keep some outer requirement, that I can be good enough, that I can study enough, that I can do the right things. And if I'm depending on that and not on, if my dependence is not wholly on Christ, you see, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be a failing Christian, or I'm gonna be a hypocritical one because I will not admit, you know, that that I am failing most of the time. You see, so Christianity requires honesty. You see, an honest person will be a humble person. Somebody that's full of their own pride will not be honest at all. They they'll just want to insist on on the false idea that they have they are they in and of themselves are responsible for living the Christian life and doing the right thing. Now I'm not saying that we aren't responsible for uh, living the right kind of life. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you will not be able to do it in and of yourself. It is an impossibility for the vessel to have the power 
to do good enough, be good enough, and uh, say good enough, and de and depend on myself enough to be pleasing to God. That's an impossibility. And actually, the breaking that has to happen to each one of us, if we're really going to be a person that moves into total dependency upon Christ and Christ alone, you're going to have to be broken somewhere in your life. Somewhere in your life, something's going to have to happen that you won't be able to conquer. Maybe um, so many things can come up. The one thing that came up into my life was that I always thought, you know, I wasn't going to be right or I wasn't uh, good enough unless I could get my husband to love me in a certain way. For him to be a certain way, then I would be all right. And I wasn't all right. And I loved building cases against him. And you know what? He did have some problems. But as long as I am building cases against him, you see, I could do that even today. Start building a case against him. Well, he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that for me. You see, all that is self, 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 self. And it's independent self. It's needy self. It's a self that's living just from my soul feelings and trying to get my soul feelings met from another person. Well, that has to come to an end because all of our needs are met in one person, and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ, our true husband. And if we're still trying to get our needs met from other people, from our our identity as um, as a minister, or uh, we see we can build identities in so so many different ways. We and they're false identities. Maybe in being a mother, in being uh, intellectual enough, in being, maybe you're really smart, you build your identity in your brain power, you build your identity in what you do, and not in who you are, but what you do, and basically that's, or, or, or what you are humanly, like if you have a talent, you that's your identity, or if you're smart, you might build your identity in that. But even if you don't have an identity, in if you're not depending on talents, because maybe you don't have any. I didn't have any uh, specific talents, like I couldn't sing, or you know, there was a lot. You know, humanly, I thought it was you know not perfect in me, so I couldn't build my identity on that. But I always I built my identity being a victim, being what everybody else did to me, basically, because I didn't have my own identity in Christ. And so Christ, the Lord had to break me from this great big independent eye that's always chained up, bound up, trying to live the Christian life and failing most of the time. And, um, and even when I did do something good, I would take credit for it. I would say, oh no, that wasn't me, that was really Christ in me. But all, the t all along I was really impressed and proud of myself. Or when there were obvious sins that showed up, you know, I would hide them or, or I would always try to be right and make everybody else wrong. You see, these are all symptoms of operating from an independent self. Is um, You've got to protect me, save me, and be for me because everybody else is wrong. So, and as long as I'm coming from that premise, you see, then, every, then everything does look like it's wrong outside of me and nobody is really fulfilling all the needs that I think I have. And so many times we go to counseling and and uh, uh, the men are told, you've got to fulfill all the uh, needs of your wife. Well, I mean, if a man, if my husband had fulfilled all the needs that I thought he needed to fulfill in me, I would have never discovered who I really am in Christ. So I can tell you that. 
And men, I'm telling you the same way. A wife cannot fulfill everything that you think she might need to be to make you give you your to make you feel good and give you some kind of identity as a man. You see, your manhood does not depend on how your wife can make you feel or how your husband can make you feel because that's the life lived only in the soul. It's not even lived as a, you're not living it as a spirit person. And God has to break us from that. And I can remember the time in my life that there is no way my husband could ever do right because all I could see was that he was the problem. And really all along, I was the problem. The real problem was coming from me, but I didn't have any obvious sins or obvious things I was doing wrong because I would I appeared like the good person. I was the good guy. He was always the bad guy because I was used to being a victim. And, I, and people that are used to being victims, I was that when I was a child. And when I married a dominating husband, then I, I adopted that. I still remained a victim. And sometimes when we have a victim mentality, then the other person can never do right because I always, and it's really a form of self-righteousness because I always have to be right. And the other person always has to be wrong because they're the bad person. I'm the good person. That has to be broken. That had to be broken in me. You know, the Bible says that Job was a righteous man before God started breaking him and he used Satan to do it. So he will use Satan to break us. But we've got to be broken from the illusion of an independent, separate, good self that can perform. You see, it's not an evil self usually in the life of a Christian. It's all the good things that we that we take credit for. Or even false humility, we might say, oh, well, that wasn't me. That was really Christ that did it. But, I, but I'm really taking the credit because I'm, I'm so impressed with, you know, anything good that I do, you see. So God has to humble us. And he has to cause us to seek and knock and find something deeper than what we have when we first came into Christianity. Something deeper. Something we've got to know more. There is something more in, in Christianity. And it is that we really, through the finished work of Christ, and we have to go back to the cross because it's the cross that's done it all. Through his resurrection, we have received his resurrected life within. And if the only way we're going to live the victorious Christian life is if we're living from his life and not our own. But we have to be broken from our own supposed sufficiencies that we think we have, which end up being devilish. Because even if they look good, look at the Pharisees. They were devilish. Jesus said it, you hypocrites. And you know, a lot of the... Um, a lot of the world will look at Christians and say, well, I don't want to be a Christian. They're nothing but hypocrites. And you know what? They're pretty much right. Until we really are humbled and broken and brought to the end of a, an illusion of a self that can perform apart from who we really are, which is Christ in us. You see, we, we, we really are pretty hypocritical. And we're not... Um, we're not truly expressing who we really are. Basically, we're living in the life of who we're not. Now, I was privileged in my own marriage to start sharing that with my husband after I discovered my truth, the truth of who I am. And I stopped, I stopped blaming him for my misery and looked within and found the answer to be Christ, who is my life. 
And that got stabilized in me so sure. Then it changed the way my outlook on life. It changed the way I looked at him. And instead of seeing all of his faults, and he had a lot, well, so did I. And all of his weaknesses, which we want to blame and accuse, you see. Instead of seeing that, I started seeing who he really was. And then I started seeing to have mercy on him because he didn't see it. And I wasn't judgmental anymore because he wasn't manifesting the fullness of Christ. I started having mercy on him. And I started telling him, I said, honey, he, he, would, he would act out all these crazy behaviors. And he would, uh, you know, had a horrible temper. And I would say to him, honey, that's not who you really are. Christ lives in you. That's who you really are. Now, I guarantee you, I could not tell him that as long as I was trying to accuse him and as long as I didn't know it myself. I had to be free and I had to know it myself to know who I really wasn't and then get the real truth and illumination and revelation from the Spirit and the confirmation from the Spirit that Christ really was my life. You see, I couldn't impart that to him. Well, the day came... I kept saying it to him, and I didn't come up with a new gimmick. I didn't come up with a new new way of thinking. I lived spontaneous. It was the Holy Spirit that would say it back to him, and he knew it. He took it that way because he would look in the mirror, and he would say he hated that person that lived in the mirror. He couldn't stop being angry about because his life was out of control. He couldn't stop that. And he'd look in his mirror, and he hated that. He didn't want to admit he was wrong to me. He thought as soon as he was be, be weak to me, then I would dominate him. So he wouldn't admit it. His pride wouldn't let him. But basically, he had to admit it to himself. He looked in the mirror, and he hated himself. I think every Christian needs to cry out, O oh, wretched man that I am. We really do need to see. Sin has to become exceedingly sinful, which that's exactly what happened in Romans 7. Paul says that. His independent life, drawing his life from his, his inner security as a, as a, or, or from his uh, outer, really, it's an outer security of flesh. You see, he had to lose his confidence in his flesh. Well, that's all he had his whole life. He was a great apostle. He was an a intellectual genius, probably. You see, he had the mentality of a genius. He... His identity had been that. His, his identity, he'd gotten all the accolades from all of the other uh, Sadducees and Pharisees, all the Jewish leaders. He had gotten all those accolades. He was born, this, this comes out in, in, in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I don't anymore have confidence in my flesh. Why? Because he was broken. I say he was broken in the desert of Arabia before he could truly T take on the ministry that God had for him, which was to preach the gospel to the world and to be able to live up, to have the uh, uh, wherewithal to suffer what he did, you see, and continue on. Now, yes, you know, the Lord is with us when we're suffering, that's for sure. But to go on, to proceed on, you know, so many times, so many people would be tempted to turn around. And he would not. He went forward. Why? Because he had no confidence in his flesh. His confidence was holy in the Holy Spirit and the calling that God had given him. And I say before we can truly be ministers that's going to liberate the body of Christ and bring them into who they really are in Christ, then we're going to have to be ministers that have 
been liberated ourselves. And if we have not been liberated from a false idea of a false self that's able to do some good apart from the spirit within us, and apart from Christ in us, we're going to have to fall. I don't care if you are a high minister. God doesn't care if you have a great reputation. I mean, Peter had a great reputation and he had to fall to that great reputation. And we all do. We all have to be broken for what we have confidence in. Because Paul ends up saying, the confidence I had in my flesh was nothing but dung. Was nothing but dung. <laughs> and he says, and I count it as dung that I might win Christ and the fullness of Christ. And he got that fullness of Christ after he was broken. And yes, God had to break that great man. And he was a great man. And, uh, and he had to break him of all of any self-confidence that he had in himself. So we, so he then later says in 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to be teaching 2 Corinthians probably after I do this series. And he talks about his weakness in 2 Corinthians. He talks about all that he suffered. But yet, he doesn't, he doesn't glory in all the great revelations that he has. I mean, he was the greatest probably of all the apostles, but he counted himself as the least because he killed the Christians before he was saved. Why did God not save all those Christians? Why did God not call him ahead of time before he even killed all those Christians, before he killed Stephen? Why did God not stop that? Well, he wanted Paul to come to the end of himself because he had a great calling. He was chosen from his mother's womb. And he would use all those murders to break Paul's confidence in himself and to break Paul in what he was doing so that he would be humble the rest of his life and he could take, he could take the message to the whole world. It's only going to be a humble minister of God that's going to take the true message of salvation to the world. It's not going to be a minister that's full of himself, full of its own self-confidence, full of what he can do and what he has and what he knows. It's going to be a humble man of God that's truly, or a woman of God that's truly going to take the message to the world. And that's really what we're called to do. And our humility is not ours. You know, A.B. Simpson said, what is humility? Humility is not thinking little of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself at all. So if you're still thinking and, and considering yourself, you see, you see your concentration is still on you. It, you see, when, when you're, uh, the Bible says, out from you shall flow rivers of living water. When the rivers start flowing, it's out from you. It's not about you anymore. It's out from you. Because God, through the Spirit, is going to bring uh, truth to God's people out through you and from you. And it's going to happen in you. But we don't need to be impressed. Paul says, uh, I'm not impressed when um, I'm lifted up and I'm not impressed, I'm depressed when I'm put down outwardly, either way. So when somebody brags on me, that, that doesn't even touch me. Or if somebody uh, puts me down, that doesn't touch me either. You have been listening to The Liberating Secret with Sylvia Pierce. We want to send a special thank you to all our supporters who make this program possible. If you have been blessed by this program and would like to contact Sylvia, you can write her at P.O. Box 43268, Louisville, Kentucky, 40253. That's Post Office Box 43268, Louisville, Kentucky, 40253. 
You can also find more of Sylvia's teachings on her website. The web address is www.theliberatingsecret.com. That's www.theliberatingsecret.com. And be sure to listen again right here Monday through Friday at the same time for The Liberating Secret with author and teacher Sylvia Pierce. So until next time, may God richly bless you.